you've seen the big plays. Jaron stepping to his right, looking, looking, stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown! You've heard what the playmakers and coaches have had to say. Up for a three. But now it's time to go behind the mic with BYU Sports Broadcasters to get their distinctive take on the games. Oh, what an aggressive play! This is Behind the Mic with host Cleon Wall. We're all about trying new things on Behind the Mic. We want to provide you with content on the Cougars you can't find anywhere else. So this week, we're doing something a little different. Instead of interviewing two people, we're talking to five. Count them five about the stuff we are broadcasting and podcasting this week leading up to BYU football taking on Notre Dame. Ben Bagley is guest number one. He is the producer of BYU Sports Nation. And we wanted to talk to him about the show's trending topics. How do you determine uh, trending topics for BYU Sports Nation? It's kind of different for the seasons. In football season currently right now, what we do is Monday's usually reaction day. Like So we're reacting to whatever happened over the weekend with the football team. Tuesday is usually a little bit less reaction, more kind of getting big picture. Wednesday's really big picture. Thursday, Friday, we kind of start zeroing in on the weekend and, and some game topics. Now that fluctuates from, from week to week depending on, on if there's a bigger story that's out there. But what's trending, we base that segment fully on, like, what are BYU fans talking about? And it usually follows that pattern. Um, but, like, for the, for this week, Notre Dame's a big game. So the focus is on Notre Dame, and it has been since really Monday. To answer again, is Jaron Hall's arm enough to lead BYU to victory over Notre Dame? No. But it's enough to keep BYU close. Okay, on Tuesday so the, you asked, teammates. or the trending topic was, Jaron Hall, is Jaron Hall's arm enough to beat Notre Dame? The obvious answer seems like, no, you need some sort of a running game to take the pressure off of Jaron Hall. But why do you think that might not be the obvious answer? Well, I think the reason why we came up with the question first and foremost is last week we kind of, like, there's a trend right now with Jaron Hall nationally where he's getting attention. With uh, I think last week it was Joe Klatt, uh, Brock Heward, a couple others just saying, hey, Lewis Riddick, Hey, look at this Jaron Hall kid. He's climbing in the draft prospects and NFL scouts like him. This week, Todd McShay jumps him into the top six in the quarterback rankings in the draft. Like All of a sudden, Jaron Hall's not just on the radar, but he's at the very front edge of the radar as far as his NFL prospects. And that being said, it's like, okay – Time to time to kind of the, the the conversation needs to focus more on Jaron. And we just what a week or two ago did a topic about are we underappreciating Jaron Hall? So it's like we can't recycle that topic. We just did that. So how do we change this topic a little bit to focus on the the new press Jaron Hall is getting? We got to make a different question, a different topic. And then I then I was just noticing some stats. And the one stat that came out of that show is the second quarter of games thus far this season, BYU's rushed for only ten yards. Combined, five games. Shocked me. And so we were like, okay, how do we tie these two together? And it was, hey, can Jaron Hall win this game by throwing the ball? Like, do they need to establish a run game? So that's where we came to that conclusion of that topic and and just kind of like that thought process of how we got there from, hey, here's a weird stat that I found that's going to shock people or or, or like people are going to be surprised by it to Jaron Hall is getting more national attention. How do we bring that up and make it a topic? So we came to that conclusion. Now, do I believe BYU can win solely on Saturday on the arm of Jaron Hall? No. No, absolutely not. But it was a means to an end to just make a bigger discussion that, that allowed Spencer and Jeremy to discuss it and engage the fan base at the same time. On Wednesday, you asked, which is the tougher game, Notre Dame or Arkansas? <laughs> that, that one was interesting. I believe it's Notre Dame as well. I believe uh, they're a better team. And metrics would back this up as Spencer well. Spencer Jeremy say Notre Dame because it's not at home, and then they quoted a bunch of statistics and metrics. Uh, where do you stand on this? I don't know. 
To be honest with you, I, I've got ooh Switzerland. I want to say Arkansas, but they're they're coming off of Alabama. They're coming off a couple of other really tough SEC games, and they're traveling west. Something SEC teams don't normally do. I'm curious to see how they handle it. It's going to be a big game. It's going to be uh, Arkansas has got some really good uh, KJ Jefferson. Their quarterback's a beast, and he reminds me of a Donovan McNabb, Steve McNair type. It's just an, a freak athlete, Cam Newton, I mean, that type of a quarterback. I think that'll give BYU fits, but I think they might be beat up enough and struggling a little bit. The BYU at home can overcome that. The problem is, is I've got no clue what this Notre Dame game team is. Like, I, I really don't. They, they, they look horrible one week, lose to Marshall at home. Then they look pretty decent, and it's just like, okay, so which team are we getting? I'm not sure. I know there's talent there. I know they got a really freak defensive line. I know they got. A, a, probably a top NFL tight end prospect. I know they're struggling at receiver. I know they're struggling at quarterback. Their offensive line's pretty good. Defensive backfield's got to struggle. Like, but I don't know which Notre Dame you're going to get. So I, like, literally, and I don't know what BYU you're going to get. Is we going to have Puka? You're going to have, like, Chase? Are you going to have defense that can figure out a run, run defense? Because if not, I, I mean, I fully expect Notre Dame to come out and just run the ball down BYU's throat, saying, stop us if you can. And it's going to be up to BYU's defense. And I think that's that to me is the, 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 the crucible of this game is like, can BYU's defense stop Notre Dame's rush? If they can, I think BYU wins this game, and it might not be close. We get to hear Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan or whoever's hosting the show that day. We get to hear their opinions on these things that you that you bring up as trending topics. But I'm just curious, do you ever just want to bust into the studio and say, okay, you guys are wrong. This is how it really is. I tell them that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. I always joke with people when they come in to see behind the scenes. I'm like, because I've got my headset on, and I'm telling them things in their ears, and and I'm like, like, if you ever hear those guys say anything smart or funny on the air, it's me in their ear telling them to say it. <laughs> yeah, are you ready? Are you Big Twelve? Ready? After further ready? review, reviews the football games BYU plays and gets you ready for the next matchup. Since Dave McCann and the guys watch these games inside and out, I stopped by their green room to discuss the Cougars and what it would be like if BYU had a permanent game in Las Vegas. From what you've seen and what the other guys have seen, are are we starting to see the promise of a running game? I think so. I think Chris Brooks showed uh, in the second half against Utah State that maybe the competition that's getting more and more carries ahead of him from Miles Davis and even Lapini Katoa, that it's kind of lit a fire. We're going to see against Notre Dame and in these games coming up. But we'll see if, if, uh, if he's turned a corner there. They brought him in to run the football and to be a power runner, and uh, that's what he was at Cal. Um, this offense really isn't set up for his – a style of running, and so maybe the two can meet in the middle, and maybe we saw some of that in the second half against the Aggies. But Brooks has got to be the guy. Davis is a freshman. He's full of promise and speed, and, and I love when he's carrying the ball. But uh, when pushing it behind that big line, when that, Tyler Algier's greatest strengths was he was 222 pounds and uh, could run straight ahead if he had to. And, and I think we're starting to see Brooks do that a little bit. This next game is down in Las Vegas against Notre Dame. You worked in Las Vegas for 20 years. BYU's had a lot of success down in Las Vegas. Would you like to see them continue to schedule games down there, whether they're non-conference games? or I, I don't know. What, what, would you like to see them continue to go down to Vegas? Because every time they go down there, it, it's a packed house. I wish they'd play in Vegas every year. I wish they'd just say, 
were like Arkansas. They play Little Rock and they play one game in Fayetteville or vice versa. I'd like us to say we're playing one game in Vegas. Uh, whether it's UNLV or Notre Dame or whoever, it's going to be hard to do that now that we're joining the Big 12 unless we got the Big 12 to play along and say, well, let's go play in Vegas instead of, instead of Provo. Um, Las Vegas has been so good to BYU because there's so many BYU fans there. And Phoenix is close by and Los Angeles is close by um, four hours you know, by drive. And then Utah is close by, St. George and all that, Cedar City. Uh, it's, a, it's a gathering melting pot of BYU fans. Uh, we'll see it this weekend. There will be way more BYU fans than people think are going to get into that <laughs> game. Um, but BYU has such a great history down there. Even, even Danny Ainge's group that beat Sidney Green and Jerry Tarkanian's Running Rebels in overtime uh, in 1981 in the Las Vegas Convention Center, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, they, had, they sold it out, 6,000 fans. That's how big that was. Uh, to uh, Potchman kicking a field goal to beating uh, Wyoming in front of a full house to, to win the first ever WAC championship game and go to the Cotton Bowl, to Jimmer's 52 at the Thomas Mack against New Mexico to break Danny Ainge's scoring record. And, and then you even go into uh, uh, last year, the season opener, biggest college football game crowd-wise in the history of the state until a couple others followed after that one. But uh, uh, when BYU took the field last year and the thunderous roar to meet them, and you're sitting there going, these aren't Utah BYU fans. Some of them are. These are Las Vegas BYU fans and Arizona BYU fans and New York BYU fans. And, and Vegas just is a reason to congregate and get together. So I, I look forward to hearing what it sounds like when the Cougs take the field. Notre Dame's the home team. Uh, but BYU is going to have some noisemakers in there, and if the team can give the fans something to cheer about, that that's going to be quite uh, an atmosphere. I've sat in arenas in Las Vegas where half the arena was cheering for one fighter and half was cheering for the other, and to go round by round with one punch and half the people explode, another punch, do they get to the scorecards and no one even know who's won, but half the crowd's going to leave ticked off and the other half's going to leave with a championship belt, and those moments of drama are what draws to sports and so i hope we have a 12 round title fight at allegiant stadium on saturday night where the fans are at the edge of their seats and both teams are playing good football and that byu plays just a little bit better let's take a quick break here when we come back we look at the latest deep blue guest why byu hired a former notre dame coach to help teach football and memories of byu's first game against the irish Welcome back to Behind the Mic. If you watched or listened to BYU Sports Nation or BYU Football with Kalani Satake, you probably saw or heard the most recent edition of Deep Blue. I, I go in and me and one of my uh, teammates, we make contact. My neck goes into a weird position. Jerem Jordan is one of the guys in charge. How do you choose who's going to be featured on Deep Blue? I take my inspiration from Anchorman. Compelling and rich is what we want. No, there are a lot of great people, Cleon, with stories and compelling stories. Though storytelling can be in a variety of ways. One is uh, just a standard conversation, an interview, say on BYU Sports Nation. Another would be in the middle of a game explaining something. But Deep Blue explores the deeper, richer context and stories of life where people have gone through really, really hard things. And oftentimes they're in the middle of it. It's not over 
which I love that part because a lot of us act like, oh, and now they're fine. Well, maybe they're not fine. And they're showing us how hard it has been for them. And we've had some amazing stories that have come out. And and I gather these from all over. Uh, Twitter, the teams themselves, players, things I hear from people in and out of programs. And so if someone's going through a super hard time, typically that includes uh, death in the family, perhaps cancer or otherwise. Those are the ones wh- that are particularly emotional and tougher for that person where if they're okay with us exploring uh, what happened there, we find some great lessons and empathize with that person in a way that we wouldn't ha- not have otherwise. I've found that one of our goals is we want to humanize these people to where it's not just number 49 on the team. No, that's Peyton Wilgar who has a big heart because he took in his nieces and nephews for several months as a guy that was recently married and had no kids. And it's like, how do you have time for this? And uh, now he's not just a piece of meat running around with the BYU uh, uniform. He's a human with real emotions and real experience that hopefully you become a fan of. Interesting guest this time around, Longi Tuifua. He started playing football for BYU. Now he's an actor. An actor. <laughs> he's acting. Um, why pick this one? I thought this one was really unique. I had heard about Langi, and I didn't know all the details of why he quit football, so I wanted to explore that. But then I knew that he became Captain Moroni in the Book of Mormon movies and uh, that he has gone to go on and play as Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice. And I thought, when does this happen? Also, uh, a Polynesian become an, a- an actor as well. I, w- I would like to explore as well all kinds of stories from all kinds of people at BYU. Um, I've, I've sought to make sure that we have better representation that way. We're going to tell way more women's stories, by the way this year than we have the last few years. And we need to be better about getting everybody involved there. Longy is an interesting cat. I didn't know the story. And my favorite thing is working with our amazing production company, Mango Media. And I, I basically say, okay, I'd like to explore this story. I don't know if this is a story. Maybe it might be. Reach out. I, I talked to Longy myself and gave his interest. He had watched all the Deep Blues, so that always helps. He kind of knows what he's getting into there potentially in terms of the emotional and physical uh, openness that's required to tell that story properly. And then he was great about opening up and telling it. And uh, I'm excited to see him as Captain Moroni. Those aren't out yet of him as Captain Moroni. We asked the church for some stuff. They said, well, it's not out. We got to save it. And we respected that. But I'm excited to see him uh, fulfill that because that's a story that I don't think has ever happened with BYU football. A guy doesn't play anymore, becomes an actor which is totally different, but also relatable. You figure out what you're going to do with your life throughout your life. You're not stuck in the one thing that you did as a kid. I'm not special. My challenges just have been more public than others, and everyone has their own challenges. In my story, I hope that people just understand that that God puts you through these challenges to make you a stronger and more knowledgeable person. You also are a play-by-play voice for volleyball on BYU TV. Let's go! Cougars had a tough preseason schedule. Who are the biggest challengers to the Cougars in West Coast Conference play? San Diego's a top five team, and they have only lost once. And it was at Louisville, who's number two in the country currently. So they are legit. They got several transfers, including BYU's Maddie Allen, who was the libero. So now she's a defensive specialist there. That'll be interesting to watch. They're tremendous. BYU right now, the second best team in the league. Then Pepperdine, also a ranked team that BYU dispatched uh, a week ago for Heather Olmstead's 200th win. Fastest in D1 history to 200, by the way. That's unbelievable. 
Um, and then there are also quality teams uh, in LMU and others in the league. So it's going to be a three-bid league at least, which is a good volleyball conference. BYU will miss that competition. Although when BYU enters the Big 12, by the way, Texas number one, tremendous. And you have other schools like Baylor and Kansas and UCF who are in the top 25. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun conference race. And uh, this weekend, you know, BYU's got to take care of business at home. Lauren McLean is the host of Cougar Tailgate. Unfortunately for Lauren, I join her as her co-host. We recently spoke with Jim LaFave, who is the Newt Rockney Memorial Society Executive Director, about how the former Irish coach taught a football class at BYU as an adjunct professor. BYU had just played one year of official uh, intercollegiate football at the time and wanted to uh, create greater visibility, greater success uh, in the area. So they decided to have a football course added to their summer school program. And quite wisely, they said, this will succeed if we get the biggest name possible to teach this football course. And so they turned to Coach Rockney. I told Lauren that I thought it was weird that a coach would do that when that school could eventually play against him in the future. Yeah, and you know coaches nowadays hold back. (laughs) Of course they're going to hold back. It's such a competitive world. But I think um, in Newt Rockney's era, which was what, Cleon? It was the the early 1900s. Football was just beginning and gaining popularity. And I think it was just a sport that he absolutely loved, according to Jim. And he wanted to impart his knowledge on others. He wanted to grow the sport that he loved. And so he was willing to go around and and share his knowledge. And what an incredible thing, because I feel like you probably wouldn't see that very much these days, at least to the extent that he was doing it back then. Yeah, I'm not sure Notre Dame's coach right now would be like, yeah, hey, BYU, (laughs) I want to help you out with your defense. Let's swap some plays here, see how they work out for you. Yeah, I don't think that we would see that happening. So Rockney, um, former Notre Dame coach, uh, helps out BYU, but he also helps to bring the forward pass uh, into play or helps to perfect it, I guess you could say. Uh, Maybe you could say the same thing about Lavelle Edwards and Newt Rockney, just because Lavelle was kind of that innovator of the forward pass. At least he hired coaches and thought that that was the way for BYU to go. Would would you say that Lavelle was kind of like Newt in some ways because he imparted his knowledge to other people too? Absolutely. Lavelle Edwards was an innovator and he was a legend and he was a pioneer in the forward pass game. And and I, I feel like they weren't BYU was not an elite program at the time that Lavelle Edwards came in and took over and the forward pass completely changed that. And I think he knew that he think, I think Lavelle knew that that's what he needed to uh, get the edge and Newt Rockney, I guess around that time, Jim told us that a lot of players were dying of the game of football, which is so crazy to think about now. I mean, Obviously, it's very dangerous, still physical, and it's come leaps and bounds from back then. But I think one of the ways to help that was to do a pass instead of just, you know, grinding it out on the ground all the time. Something that was really interesting, Cleon, that stood out to me was that Jim said at that time, when they first started the forward pass, if it was an incomplete, it was also a turnover. It's so crazy how the rules have changed now. But yes, um, to your point and to your question, I, I definitely think Lavelle Edwards is like Newton that way, where he wanted to progress the game, and that was the forward pass was the way to do it. She is the queen of Cougar Tailgate. 
I am her <laughs> humble servant, Lauren McLean. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep you around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show this segment to my husband. <laughs> you should. This is what you must call me now. Your yes. Queen. Queen Lauren. <laughs> she is the queen of Cougar Tailgate. I am her humble servant. Thanks a lot, Lauren. <laughs> The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, whom I interviewed for the first iteration of Behind the Mic, joins me now. BYU and Notre Dame played 30 years ago for the first time, or it was about 30 years ago. What do you remember of that first game at Notre Dame Stadium? Well, I remember the sense of pilgrimage, that as we got to campus on the day before the game, it was just alive with people crisscrossing the various sidewalks, and they were all in sort of the same sense of awe or wonder that I found myself in. And I found out then that that the season ticket holders for Notre Dame are actually scattered um, throughout the season. You might get to one game a year, the way the tickets were distributed. So for a lot of people, they get their one shot to come to Notre Dame, and it might not be for years they get to come back. And so I got that real sense that people arriving – we're there to experience something special, maybe like a once-in-a-lifetime type vibe. And and then the hospitality, the sense of welcoming. And when they found out we were from BYU, saw our logos, uh, they were so anxious to to make us feel at home and, and ask how we were doing and what we thought of Notre Dame. And I, I just and it was an October game, as I recall, too. Yeah, it was. The colors were changing. It was I, I remember thinking, this is the most perfect college football environment I could ever enjoy. And that day, maybe you want to go back again and again and again. And BYU's been back a few times. This time, the ninth time they're playing, playing in Las Vegas. Has it got a little bit of a different feel for you this time around? Yeah, because you're not going to the shadow of the yeah. Golden Dome, and, and those experiences are super special. But it's the name, right? It's the name and the gold helmets, and it's national coast-to-coast television, and it's a primetime opportunity. So everything else around the matchup is still massive and still incredibly meaningful for BYU. So to that extent, yeah, Notre Dame games are always going to be special. Even the ones in Provo, uh, the, the the single game, Lavelle Edwards Stadium attendance record is still a game against Notre Dame. Um, and so there's something about these games that, again, is is uh, um, truly standalone. On uh, Coordinator's Corner, Coach Roderick praised Notre Dame's defense. You know, the, the first game was against Ohio State, so we know how good Ohio State is. And they showed was. okay against them. They I did. Thought. Yeah. A, they, and they, they shut Ohio State's offense down. That was a, uh, they struggled to move the ball. But the Irish gave up 32 points to North Carolina. Is this defense still to be feared? Uh, it, it's okay. Um, BYU's rush defense has taken a few knocks, um, but BYU's rush defense in terms of yards per rush allowed is right there with Notre Dame. They're basically the same team on rush defense. People would think that Notre Dame's got a stouter, tougher rush defense. Well, they're both kind of in the same territory. I think what's most interesting is that BYU's been really strong, where Notre Dame is actually exceptionally weak right now, and that is the ability to generate takeaways. Notre Dame is the only team in the country without multiple takeaways. And BYU's one of only four teams with only one giveaway. So BYU doesn't give it up. And Notre Dame doesn't take it away. And if those two trends hold, I think BYU can like its chances on Saturday. One quick question about BYU soccer. They had an uneven preseason when it comes to results. Which teams stand in their way from taking the WCC crown? 
Uh, Portland and Pepperdine. I think Santa Clara is a little down uh, this year. I, don't, I think Santa Clara's at-large resume is kind of gone. They have to kind of almost run the table here in league. And Santa Clara is always going to be Santa Clara, and they've always given BYU trouble. But Portland is on the way up. They haven't lost yet this year, and Pepperdine's been nationally ranked all year. The St. Mary's game for BYU was a wake-up call, and we saw the results of that wake-up call against San Francisco. 6 nothing at home, and from the start, it was just an attacking uh, aggressive, almost urgent mentality uh, for BYU to get the ball in the back of the net. And so we finally saw BYU play like we're used to seeing BYU play. And I got the chance to interview Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman for Cougar Pregame Live on the BYU Sports Network. We talked about his team, but my first question I wanted to ask him was if he was feeling a bit more comfortable as head coach of the Irish after only five games. You know, the thing I'm learning is that every day – presents a new challenge, you know, and, and it's, again, you're, you're becoming more comfortable in the, the plan you have to win and, and what you believe it takes to, to have success. But, you know, as a head coach, there's a lot of different things that um, you have to do in terms of leading a program that every day something new presents itself. And so um, comfort, I don't want to say I'm comfortable. Um, I'm starting to learn exactly um, what – my role and my job as the head coach is, but I don't ever want to say I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Your defense will face a pretty good signal caller in Jaron Hall. The BYU QB has completed 70% of his passes and has only been intercepted once this season. In your mind, what makes him so good? I think it starts with his decision-making. You know, he makes really good decisions, and, and he has a, a really good arm. He's able to put the ball exactly where he wanted and uh, has some good wideouts that – you know, I say any quarterback that, that has success has White House to make him look good, and, and, and Jaron definitely has that. Um, you know, he, he's a, a guy that can be elusive. He can extend plays with his legs. And so um, he's a mature kid that has played the game for a long time that uh, we'll have our work cut out for us. BYU's defense has struggled at the start of games, especially against Wyoming and Utah State, the latter, their last two games, for various reasons. What have you noticed about the Cougar defenders? Well, I think when they need them the most, they step up and they make the, the plays that are necessary to win the game. And, uh, you know, they are a, a team that, that constantly rolls guys in there. It's almost a line change amongst the, the guys that are running in and out of the game. And so they're fresh, they're deep. Um, they, they've done a really good job. You study them the past couple of years. There's defense isn't something that uh, um, we know we can, we got our work cut out for us. And uh, we got to be able to try to establish a run game, be able to, to open up some things with the pass game. But um, they're a talented, mature group. Uh, I don't know the number of starts returning, but I know there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of ball for their defense. And, uh, you know, the linebacker, Tooley's a really good player. I know watching him, he was very productive to start that game uh, versus Utah State last week. So, um, we got to make sure offensively that we're, we're really focusing on execution and, and trying to establish uh, really the run and the pass game. Is your team excited to play in Las Vegas? Yeah, I think that's one of the unique things about Notre Dame is to, to be able to play a home game on the road every year is, is something that makes Notre Dame different. And uh, it just goes to the the network and the the branding of, of Notre Dame and Notre Dame football. This game is considered a home game for you guys, but BYU is 13-4 and four in Sin City, and lots of BYU fans love going to the games in Vegas, whether they're from Utah or Nevada or Arizona. Are you ready to see quite a few fans clad in blue and black at this game? Yeah, I, we expect that to uh, 
definitely uh, all over the stands. But, we, you know, we know our Notre Dame fans will travel well, too. And so, listen, we're looking forward to a great contest versus a great opponent, and uh, we're excited to go on Saturday night. That's going to do it for this week's Behind the Mic. We might try something new again next week. So make sure you subscribe and download episodes each week on your favorite podcast platforms or listen to it at byuradio.org or the BYU Radio app. Behind the Mic is a production of BYU Radio. BYU Radio.